Welcome back to another episode of Agendas Only, the most biased, biased, unbiased, biased podcast of all time. This week we have our weekly roundup, our top three best things about summer, the first test recap, Pelicans Therapy with Artie, our unpopular opinion, Hall of Fame, Best Bet, and a new segment, our topic of the week. We've got our, also got our new producer, Connor, on board. Hello. Artie, Luca, welcome, everyone. Thanks for having me. Um, really looking forward to this pod. Yeah, excited to be back for another week. Self-appointed title of producer. Alrighty, let's get into it. So, where we sit now, second test, it's end of day three, a lot going on. Pat Cummins out, Smudge back as captain. Mm, very hot, love Smudge as captain. Yeah, I'm a big Smudge man, as you may know. I couldn't believe it. Like, you couldn't write that sort of start to the test. I mean, like, Cummins goes out for a meal the night before, and what's the guy doing out if he could, he's at risk of getting COVID? Does he not know? I mean, has anyone cleared that, that up? I don't, I don't know. I don't mind that, but, like, it's so bad for me. He's had one test. Great. Pfeiffer, win, and now Smudge back. I like Smudge there, but you feel bad for Cummins. Wait, you don't mind Cummins having COVID? No, no, no. I don't. He doesn't have COVID, does he? Well, I don't know. Inconclusive oh, right. at the moment. No, but I, I don't mind Smudge Captain. I do feel bad for Cummins, though. Yeah. I think it's... I, I just... I don't know. A lot of people have said the, the opinion that I agree with is maybe he could have been been inside getting the night before the test. I don't know. Well, we're lucky that Gary and staff were outside. Yeah. It was trouble time, if not. But it seems Cricket Australia's job to put in those rules that you've got to be in your hotel or you can't be going out. Wait, we're expecting the most poorly run organisation in Australian sports to put in those sort of regulations. Hey, I wasn't talking about Rugby Australia, mate. Jesus. You're picking through a dumpster fight with both of those. Yeah, what do we think? The first three days, pretty good start for Australia, I would say. Yeah, dominant. Really dominant again. England have points where every Ashes tour, they do exactly the same thing. They play well for a little bit and then they drop their heads and then they're not, you know, mentally resilient enough to get back from that. I actually thought they... Bowled well for large periods on day one. They were unlucky, but realistically, they dropped their heads and then they got Manus out, and then it was a little bit, you know. One time. They got him like three times. Yeah. Like, they, they just screw up the little things. And I'm sorry, Jack Leach, yes, he was past that first test. Mm. You can't not pick a spinner. Because it's, oh, especially if it's 37 degrees, and that pitch is turning sideways with line bowling on it, they have no spinner. It's ironic about the overrate as well. I mean, I like yeah, obviously you're not going to be selecting your team because of that, but you know the fact they haven't picked any spinner. It's just for some variation. Like Root is not good enough to bowl the amount of overs that you would need to have that sort of variation going. Yeah, I still don't think there's that much difference between Root and Leach. I don't think Leach is that much better of a bowler than Root, so I didn't hate the decision to go with four quicks. I don't, but like but Leach is going to be able to bowl more higher quality overs over a longer period of time, but if. You need a spinner to bowl more overs. Leach can do that. Root is going to decline more and more as it goes. Not from later. what we've seen from Leach over the last year. Not just from that Gabby game. He's just not been that good a cricketer for a while now. So they have Dom Bess. And I like yeah, uh, I, I, I like Skull's point that they could have picked uh, Mason Crane, who obviously yeah. had that debut with the SCG a couple of years yips. ago. You know, I can't believe he's back. But, he got the know. yips though, didn't he? Yeah. The SCG? Yeah. Jeez, yeah. that was a bad game. Uh, it, it was like one for 200, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He just it on. You know, he got the yips real bad. It's hard to be a spinner in Australia. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Nathan Lyon does it well because he gets the bounce, but so many struggle in Australia, especially from overseas, like Pommies, and even Indian spinners. We talked the other podcast about, you know, there are more spinners that are talent, more talented than Nathan Lyon, 
But if you put all these spinners on any deck in the world, he would he would do the best on average all of the time. And that's why he's been great, why he's taken so many wickets. And we were talking about it last night, actually. He's fought back. A lot of people were saying, hey, is, has Nathan Lyon declined? Is he putting the ball in the wrong areas a lot? He's bowled quite well. Both I think, yeah. and you've got the resume he's got, I think he deserves a couple. Like, I admit, I think last summer, he probably wasn't his best summer. And I think he'll bounce back. If you've got the resume he's got, you can't really argue that... Get dropped. Like, really, we don't have much else. Swepo, probably our next best spinner, eh? Yeah, and Swepo's just a pure wicket taker, which yeah. we've got a couple of those guys already in the team who might go for a fair few runs in their own month. Stark. Yeah, <laughs> or um, Richardson, if he plays. Um, so Swepo can get tonked around a bit when he does play, but he does take wickets where that's what Lyon's so good at, is going for not many runs per over. Yeah, even when he's not taking wickets. I think that's the difference between the last years. He used to watch Lyon and he looked like taking a wicket every ball. But now he's probably not looking like that. But at least he's keeping that, that one end tied up. So that helps our bowl, our quicks on the other end, I think. It's an underrated skill. Speaking of economical bowlers, Artie Ness, how are we feeling? So happy. Still on cloud nine. Still on cloud nine. He's been my guy for the longest time. I just love him. Everything about him. I was devastated when Richardson got picked. I like Richardson, always have, but Ness is my guy. And, you know, it was bad luck that Cummins had to come out, but if it meant that Ness could come in and just show the world how good he really is, which he did. Only got one wicket so far, but it was a good wicket, and he's bowled very, very well around Also has a test average double Marcus Harris now. Yes, yes, great point, really good point. Yeah, I thought the one thing I saw with Ness is that I he created a lot more opportunities than what his figure suggested, yeah. particularly because he's that effort bowler. He really bends the back and gets like an extra 5 or 10 Ks from that extra bounce, or he'll have that effort ball, which is, you know, a couple Ks quick. It gets up on you. He has a good slow ball as well, actually. Yeah. So all of those are big weapons weapons for his He's bowling. a very smart bowler. Yeah. He knows exactly what his game is. Much like Lion in the sense, but obviously a quick... Knows exactly how to swing and seam the ball when he wants to and knows exactly what ball to bowl when it's needed. Watching his bowling, his seam presentation is crazy. Oh, I am so impressed. <laughs> yeah, I bet he does. His <laughs> seams presentation is so good. Like, all the balls... That, like, you see Hazelwood does it well, but it's still a bit of, like, that wiggle seam. His is perfect almost every time I watch him bowl. England keep going on about Ollie Robinson's strong wrist, you know, swing the ball, keep the seam up. Our fifth strength... Seymour does it better than him. Can I say, I said it to Luca the other day, one thing, my probably my favourite reason why Ness was selected is not enough hairy men in the Australian country no. team anymore. Like, think of the old days. Burney, Punter, Merv, three legends. That's just to name a few. Travis Head's really, really helping that yeah. too. I'm really loving his Burney moustache. He, yeah. He's gotten a bit thicker too, so it's just burning it. I attribute him. at least 50% of the credit for their world's best tournament the t20 world cup win to glenn maxwell and how hairy he was oh, the hairy four well. arm so, like, that was really really good but i i think the last thing i'll say on on nisa as well if england are looking for the trademark of what you have to be that sort of fast medium effort bowler that's what you need to do mm. you need to follow the nisa model robinson and Wokes you know and all what that sort of stuff. baffles me is the one bowler they dropped mark wood they've picked four guys who bowl the exact same shit they will bowl a bit of swing 120s and can put the ball in the right spot. Mark Wood is that difference. Well, I heard... So, I don't think... He, he's not injured. I heard that he's had an ongoing ankle That's injury. It. Ankle, yeah. They're but really scared about it. But it's been one test. So, like, is he not? Is he only going to play one test than a break? I know it was a quick turnaround, but 
Apparently, it's not actually injured as such. It's just a, a concern. So, yeah, well, England's got this big thing about resting players and player management, which is just silly, really. You play five games in a summer. But if you're losing, Adelaide's your opportunity. Yeah. If Adelaide was always your big opportunity. That's where you steal one. Then you go to Isn't the MCG. Isn't that why they Broad and Anderson? Like, it would yeah. be the same thing for Wood. You want your best bowlers at Adelaide so you can win that game. Especially once you find Cummins, Hazelwood out. It's like, how much chances there for you to strike in that game and you leave one your best bowler from Brisbane out? It just makes no sense that they pick four guys to do the exact same thing. There's no difference between all four of those guys except one is a tiny bit quicker, one swings it a bit more. And some are left, some are right-handed combination. But Wood is that express pace, gets bounced, and maybe he isn't the best bowler out of those five, but he's different, and you need some differences. Or the batsmen get comfortable and can score easy runs. But I actually just don't... I don't necessarily think that's just them. You have to create differences as a bowler. So the idea is the England selectors, because they don't really have anyone else, are projecting these guys forward. The England bowlers, their effort level, the areas that they've placed the ball, the lines, their, their plans, you know... When they've dropped their heads, it's, look, it's looked bad. And I know you really didn't like what they did at the back end of the first day. That, back end of that first uh, first day, that last session, I had a big day at work, so maybe I was just cranky watching it, but it was some of the worst cricket I've ever seen. I don't mind if you're going to bowl bounces. Bowl a couple overs of bounces at minus. Like, that's all right. That's a okay strategy for a few overs to change it up. So if you're going to bowl short, bowl short. But when they were trying to pitch it up or trying to put it on a good length and get the ball to swing to the batsman, Marnus and that, they were consistently putting it about half a foot behind a good length. And if you're, you know, back of a length, you're never going to be able to swing the ball as much as they want to or create any chances. Just slows the runs down and doesn't, yeah, no chances, no for wickets, less runs, boring quick, boring cricket where the game doesn't progress. The one thing that, and I, I, it's, it's a great, you know, analogy because it actually happened in Adelaide 0607 amazing Adelaide a lot of people don't remember from that game was that England batted first and they racked up 550 hmm. right and so that that's the craziest part about because the game was heading for draw in the last day and then obviously Australia has had the miracle win but the one reason why Australia stayed in that game was not only the fact that they made 500 odd in reply as well but they didn't let England take the game away from them hmm. and I thought that was good England did some of that but Again, it's just these fleeting moments. Why aren't they trying to do more of that? If you like, I thought on the first day the fact that they kept us to a low economy. If you're going to give up 400, 500, make sure that it's in a long time. So if you are behind the eight ball at the end of the game, you have a chance to draw it, or you can sort of try and change the momentum in, in your in your first innings as well. But the batting hasn't backed it up at all. At the end of the day, Test cricket's about taking twenty wickets. It's not about slowing your team's run rate. Like you can do that as a side strategy. Your main goal as a bowling attack is to get 20 wickets. But if guys are set, like Marnus is set. Yeah. You know, Warner is Warner's set. So sometimes you have to operate in the constraints of going, hey, these guys are set right now. Let's try a couple of different things. But also we, we need to make sure that explosive players like that don't take the game I away from us. with someone like Warner, better strategy, Marnus is happy to wait. Yeah. Men face 300 balls, whereas yeah. Warner wants bat on ball. He wants runs. Marnus is the best lever I've ever seen. He loves leaving the ball. So maybe it's not as good to him, but... I think mean, they're just employing the smudge strategy on Marnus. Just bowl short and choke his scoring options so we can get people out on the other end. Like, mm-hmm. they've got no, they actually don't know how to get him out. Which, I mean, they, that's their biggest problem is missing their chances. They, three times, they yeah. screwed up Marnus. What was the stat? Like, it was first, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It was 18 catches. catches 18, 18 yeah. catches. Australia had taken all 18. And then England had nine, n- like nine out of 
16 or something ridiculous. There's the same amount of um, chances, oh, and they've taken half, we've taken all of them. It's ridiculous. Like, that's that's their problem. Yeah, yeah ex- execution stuff. So, obviously, after the first three days, we have Marnus, Smith, Warner, all in the A category. Let's talk about the other guys. How, how do we feel about Marcus Harris? F? Time to drop him. Yeah. Well, we, oh, he's a mullet now, so maybe E. Oh, has it? <laughs> yeah. So maybe he's not an F. Yeah, well, we'll, we won't get to that in a bit more depth in our um, first test recap and our player ratings, I reckon. Mm. Absolutely. But I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. He no. had a really, really bad Yeah, stretch. I think we need to get into it. He into just doesn't, didn't, look, didn't look comfortable at all. Ed ran out Warner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were out and we just saw the scorecard, and I said to Alex, I bet that was a Harris score. Yeah. His career yeah. awareness not great at the moment. Yeah. So, more big news. The Jags coach fired after only 14 weeks. Do you want to explain what happened there to us, Luca, please? Yeah, Urban Meyer. It's a crazy story. So, he's been he's, he's a coach with a ton of resume, has won a lot, but he's always been a guy who's operated in the weeds. And if you guys know anything about college sports, he was college coach for a long time. Coached at the University of Florida, coached at Ohio State. He's won national championships at both. Yeah, so he's right. quite good, but he's very big in the brown paper bag business side, if you know, uh, what, yes, you know what I mean. Yes. And so he's getting all these recruits. All the talented ones seem to be coming to Ohio State and Florida all the time. Strange. There's criminal activities that were, were covered <laughs> up, you know. They had Aaron Hernandez, who was always oh. on the Patriots, and he obviously killed a couple people at the end. So, you know... That was quite bad, but... It's a wild story that Hernandez won. Yeah, and he resigned under, like, a shroud of mystery. There was a lot of stuff coming out about him at Ohio State, and then suddenly he had to take leave to be a grandfather and be around his family uh-huh. a lot more. So, mm. the Jags come in, they've had a really bad season, they're looking for a new coach, and Shard Khan, who obviously you know, yeah. is, uh, is the owner, and he's like, I'm going to make a huge splash. I'm going to sign Urban Myatt to a massive contract. Now, apparently, it was five years, $80 million. Which yeah, for, each year or which no 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 oh right, right. Still, still a lot of money but for a coach that's insane what, what does money. a coach in the NFL normally get paid probably around ten to twelve million a year that our car family's got buckets well they went by Wembley yeah yeah so like that's how you know they have they're a not a little bit rich they yeah. are mega 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 rich absolutely and also they won the sweepstakes for the most hyped quarterback prospect generational talent of all time Trevor Lawrence they got the number one pick yeah. You know, and he's like quarterback Jesus, not only just because of the long hair. Is he at Jags now? Yeah, at Jags. Is he actually any good? So here's, so here's the thing. So they got Meyer and they're like, hey, we'll, we'll bring it in. You develop a strong culture. Because obviously college, you know, he developed a strong culture. Now, how good that culture is, I don't know. So would you say he's a good coach or just... I'd say he's a good coach, but I'd say we, we don't know because he yeah, always right. had a, a significant talent advantage. And that's the thing about true, college true. football. You will always have, at a big college, you'll always have more better players than the rest of the competition. Yeah, right, okay. Right, so he comes into the NFL, and it's chaotic already. He signs Tim Tebow, which, <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. which is crazy to be like their third string tight end, and he gets cut. One of his assistants... This, Tebow was a quarterback, yeah. right? And then he went. He was like a fan favorite, went out of the league, and then decided to be a tight end, which is... Decided to play baseball. Oh, baseball, sorry. And then decided yeah. to come back and be a... a bit, is this bit, Jordan? Bit, bit, <laughs> yeah, no, much worse. But he, but again, Urban's bringing in his guys. Tebow was actually his quarterback at the University of Florida uh, back in the day, and they won a national championship together. One of the coaches he hires, again, Urban, gets fired for misconduct straight... Like, three days after being hired. Yeah. So it's already... It's so that guy was actually good. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right, Urban did the vetting process. So we skip forward here. The J- it's like week five. The Jags are 0 and five. 
Like they've had a horrible start. Now they have a really bad roster imbalance, but all of his coordinators are really, really bad. And Lawrence is looking like, you know, he can't make the transition to the pros quick enough. And rookies struggle, I get it, but he's like throwing three and four interceptions every single game, which is a huge reading the play problem. It's tough when a guy like your guy, Max, doing so well as well for comparison for mm. the other rookie quarterbacks. Absolutely. Well, no, it's, it's, it's also because we have such a good, strong culture in New England, it will work. We, like the thing with the rookies, you've got to ramp them up. You can't ask them to be doing every, everything yeah. every single night. NBA, it's kind of different. You can allow the rookie to have all the ball and take over. But as a rookie quarterback, you can't do anything. Anyway, they've lost week five. They're in, they're in Cleveland, Ohio. Urban obviously has connections from Ohio State. The team plane flies home. He's not on it. Video comes out. He's at the bar, cheating on his wife with three college chicks. How old is Urban? Urban is about 60, 65 yeah. right now. Yeah. I mean, so he's really getting into that territory. There's photos if you want to look it up for the uninformed here, but his, it's pretty funny. His wife found out on Twitter, yeah. which was oh, hilarious. So she's on Twitter and she's like, wait, what's happening? Where's Urban? And the people kept tagging her and stuff, and then she deleted her account, which I was like, oh, no. That's really, really bad. And then all this stuff starts to come out. Apparently, he's telling all his coaches that they're losers in meetings. He literally goes around, apparently, goes, loser, 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 <laughs> loser, winner, according to himself. Oh, which oh, is, you know, what a tool. he's saying he's had, he's had better coaches back in the day. He got running back fumbles one play and then he benched him for the rest of the game. They're one of the best skill position players. And then Trevor comes out at the press conference and goes, why did we bench him? I don't know. Some guy asked about like the third round draft pick about getting him more playing time. He's like, yeah, I've been playing him more in recent weeks. He played zero times like the past three games. So he just doesn't <laughs> know what's going on. And then the final thing, the kind of the final straw is that he, he kicked the rookie kicker. That practice. Kicked it like with yeah. his foot. No, no, yeah, absolutely. Came on and said, make it kicks like action. <laughs> took a karate swing at him. Like oh. Daniel Sign. Oh wax on, wax off, bang. Right. So, yeah, that was the final straw. The culture's been so toxic around there. And it's really, really sad to see. Like, we talk about we talk about sports, you know, and we hope that sometimes these small market teams can get guys to turn them around. But if Lawrence has already had such a bad start to his career, Jags really need to get it right, you know? Less than dysfunction. That's actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> Whole story and a half. That's another week in the NFL. Yeah, wow. Just I thought we should mention as well, Steph has just a couple days ago broken the all-time three-point record as well. Pretty big news. Yeah, pretty amazing. Um, and he's still got a long time to go in his career, he's so like, he's going to absolutely demolish that He did like 400 games less. Yeah. And to think, like, start of Steph's career wasn't, like, insane from the start either. He had to warm into his career, so... Yeah, it's pretty nuts how quickly this short period of his peak he's been able to just smash he's this record. Pretty hard not to like, I reckon. I watched the Celts game versus the Warriors yesterday, Luca. I didn't because it was my birthday and I wanted to be happy. <laughs> I don't want to watch the Celtics they don't make me happy. Yeah, well, it, the first quarter, he went like five from six. Like from the field. It was like three three-pointers. I was going, yes, this is going to be fun. Steph's on. He's actually unguardable. Like, yeah. He just gets around screens and puts a three up so quick, and he's so accurate. Although I say that, but he actually, the second half, he was not as... He missed, like, three open threes. I felt so lucky. We would have lost by about 30 otherwise. Yeah. Never see him. But the, the thing is, I'm watching him play, and if he misses an open three, I'm so shocked. 
The thing about Steph, his major skill isn't actually shooting. It's his endurance. To be able to run around all these screens, weave through these people, he runs like a marathon every night. Like, just going in and out and in and out. And then to get this open shot, where he obviously is the best shooter of all time, it's not even a question, can hit it. Yeah. I mean, Steph, like, there's so many things. He translates to any era. I feel like the stuff yeah. that he does quite well. He's actually an underrated passer. He's got a great handle. But you know what? The, the, the things that don't leap out on the tape that actually make him the best shooter of all time is he's got a high basketball IQ. He's yeah. very resilient. He knows how to get people involved. And it's, the, it's his athleticism, actually. It gets underrated because you go, well, it's actually a different kind of athleticism. He can't jump out the gym. He can't dunk. But he can actually move really, really well. And I, I've said that for all of sort of my NBA prospects when I, when I you know draft mm. ranking. It's the way that guys move nowadays, and he's certainly the most influential player I think. You hear, one of all yeah, time. You hear Steve Kerr talk about, and obviously he's going to be biased, but he says the two best athletes he's ever coached is Steph and Steve Nash. Like, yeah, they're not guys who are going to leap out the building like he said, but their endurance, their ability to just run, run, run all day and all night long, and their sneaky strength, like. For guys that small to have any sort of strength is pretty amazing in the NBA. They're elite athletes. Yeah, and it's actually ironic we've just talked about the Jags. That's like literally the worst organizational model that we have. A lot of credit needs to go to the Warriors. I mean, Joe Lacob, the owner, is great. He always invests, always paid the luxury tax. You know, they've got Steve Kerr, who's drawn up some great game plans for Steph. Being a three-point shooter himself, he knows how to maximize, get, get the best out of them, you know. He's done all of them. The front office there has done a great job surrounding them with great players. So, you know, it's mm. it's really the Warriors. They look like they're back. And yeah. it, we'll, we'll do finals preview, I'm sure, in the new year. Yeah. But they're definitely up there for me. Um, They've been good really, really talented. Good on Steph. Congrats. Please reach out. We'll have you on the pod anytime you like. Yeah. But I, I think he'll reach out to us. So. Well, we, don't really, so. we don't really need to reach to yeah. him. So. No. We'll talk to you soon, Steph. Well done. We're at that segment, our top five. And this week, we're going to change it up a bit, just do a top three. So our topic for this is top three best things about summer. So as we approach Christmas, I feel like it's really topical. Mm. Who wants to go first with their third best thing about summer? Third best thing about summer. I'll go. Um, ice blocks. Great. Never really have them any other time of year, but they're very good in summer. You know, cool down, get yourself a Zupa Duper, maybe, you know... Zoopadoopers um, underrated in the history of the world. Oh, so underrated. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, Frosty Fruit or... Uh, what were the old ones called? Like the, the pink ones? Oh, I can't remember. Don't worry, but it was good. It's my childhood memory. Or even the old classic, just a cup of cordial frozen. In no, a plastic cup with a little powder pop stick in it. Of all time. Is that a thing? What? what? Oh, my Lord. Oh, I've never had... Do you not used to make them on holidays? You like half, you like extra strong it, so like maybe half or a third cordial, rest water, paddle pop stick in. You don't even need that though, because you can just flip it out in a plastic cup. I said that you used to make it. I did it last summer, made them. Like a throw out plastic cup. I gotta try oh. this then. Look at wow. your homework wow. for holidays. Yeah. <laughs> Get cordial, plastic cup, put it in the freezer. I don't want to say un Australian, but, but it's coming to mind. Yeah. Oh, come okay. on now. Mr. I hate cordial, what's your third? <laughs> I mean, you can have it all year round, but it's only really good in summer. Frozen Coke. Yes. Love oh, yeah. Frozen yeah, Coke. Yeah. Frozen Coke. It's so hot right now in the studio as well. I mean, <laughs> we are sweating absolutely right now. The one thing I would really like, Frozen Coke right about now. You know? It's not a bad idea. Producer, you want to go? 
Oh, yeah, frozen Coke run? Do I exist now? Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get fired if you don't get us frozen Coke, so please go. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Oh, <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to go my third. This was hard. A lot. I did want to I did want to just shout out to air conditioning. I'm a big air conditioner yeah. guy in summer. Heating sucks, air conditioning on, but I couldn't not go this and mention it. Um, cricket. Sitting there in the aircon watching the cricket. It's just... I got that third, which is controversial. It's that low, but... I had to put it in. At number three. Well, you know, yeah, I'm starting yeah. I'm starting to get a bit of evidence. Alex has cricket at number three and didn't did go. He did not. To the Gabba <laughs> test. It, I wanted to put it higher. Do you hate cricket? Yeah, I think you summer. hate cricket. You hate Steve Smith. You hate Steve that, Smith. Wow. Do not accuse me of that. Go to number two, Arthur. Okay, well, my, my number two is cricket. My number two is also cricket. Yes. Yeah, there so we go. I mean, it's, it's We've got a cricket for a round. Um, Absolutely. We're a cricket podcast Cricket right deserves to be number two. Absolutely. It should be number one, but I've got one thing. But there's also different elements of cricket. Beach cricket. Yes. Watching cricket. You know, backyard cricket. Yes. There's so many times you can play it, you can watch it. Yeah. Like, oh, you can't beat It's the backbone it's of summer. Cricket. Summer cricket is... And if you don't have it at least number two yeah. around Australia, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. In so, <laughs> what's beaten cricket? Well, I've got number two. And Luca may not agree with me here. Go to the beach. Yeah, beach beaches. Beaches. Beach mm. showers. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Everything's good about beaches. You can't do it in winter. Or well, you can, but it's not the same. Go for a swim in the surf. Bit of body surfing. You can't beat beaches. Yeah. Okay. Number one, Arthur. Well, you just spoiled it a bit, but it's a beach shower. <laughs> it is the number one best thing about summer. You go to the, a lovely day on the beach, you're swimming, you know, enjoying yourself. Sit out in the sun a bit, you know, soak it all up. Then you go, to top it all off, a beach shower. Beautiful, cold water, strong pressure, the good ones. Get to look over the beach. You know, wash all that salt and sand off you, best. If you haven't got it, Artie's somewhat of a beach shower connoisseur. Yeah. A bit obsessed with them. But... Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. Is there a rating system? Uh, my oh. old man has a rating system. Uh, he did have an Instagram page for a bit, but he got shut down. <laughs> so, I wonder why. <laughs> Too many good-looking photos of yeah. Simon in the shower. <laughs> Definitely. I'm going to go number one, and this is the best part of summer. It's actually without all the salt and sand, and you don't even have to have a beach shower. It's dip in the pool, swimming in the pool. That's the best part of summer. You can come. You can have an icy cold drink. There's a fridge always close. You know, you can't do that at the beach. You can do that at the pool. You just it's close to number one. But, yeah. It's not going to be as icy cold. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. I'm going very good nomination. Yeah. Very good nomination. I just don't like your. I don't like beaches agenda. Yeah. But just, I can just pour some sand on top of you right now. We'll get the same experience. Yeah, yeah I'll feel a bit more. Okay, my number one, and I feel I'll come a bit of slack for this, but hear me out first. That it's lighter for longer. It's not dark. Yeah, it makes everything better. You can swim. You can come home from work. It's still light. You can go for a dip. You can go to the beach for longer. You can sit up, watch cricket, play cricket for longer after work. Not being yep. dark makes everything better. Best part about summer. Yeah, it is. It depresses very good. me when I get home from work and it's dark. There's nothing worse. Whereas get home, it's light. Do something, play a bit of cricket. Peak do winter. Some. It's dark before I get on the train. Sometimes. Yeah, it's disgraceful. It's I hate it. Awful. Yeah. All right. So that's our top three this week. So beach showers for Artie is the number one. Luca yeah. dip central and me light. Good top Just three. Just light. Week. Just light. Yeah. Just light in general in summer. You made it on day one, I guess. Yep. So, into our summer of cricket, our first test recap. Let's go around, Jess. We'll give our rap player ratings, I think. Yeah. yeah. Out of 10. So, we'll go, we'll go around, we'll go from 1 to 11 um, out of 10. 
Ah, Marcus Harris. Where do we start? Artie, do you want to give your out of 10 for Marcus Harris? Yeah, it's a flat zero. Um, that high? Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't like going to negatives in a rating. Uh, it's all about integrity, I guess. Yeah, it is, it is. And this is, this podcast values integrity above all else. Famously unbiased. Yes. Yeah, well, I don't believe in bias. Like, I'm no. going to guess you've got a similar score. Yeah, um, zero, you know, there's not a lot of stuff he did well. His awareness, you know, he gets, I mean, the only reason not a negative, he was there. So I suppose he did, <laughs> like, he did play, he right? He was not out second innings, I guess. Uh, yeah, but he, oh God, he even looked shocking there. Like, yeah, I was yeah. there day four, I had day four oh. tickets, which was a little bit grim. But yeah, no, cricket awareness, technically he's, he's not up for it. You know, he just seems like I spiraling right now. And the best thing for us and him is to have, have him take a break, go away, work on his technique and hopefully come back. I wish the best uh, for him. I disagree. I don't hope he comes back. But. <laughs> 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 I hope he's zero as well for all the above reasons. Let's go straight over one. I don't need to say anything more about Harris. Artie Warner. Um, I've got him probably a bit lower than others. I've only got him at a seven. I don't think he looked that good mm. um, in his hundred. But it was 100, so obviously, no, yeah, well that. Oh, no, sorry, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. My bad. Uh, goldfish memory. Um, but yeah, he didn't look that good. He looked shaky through it, but, you know, still got a lot of runs, so. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'd probably give him a seven and a half. I'm going to go a, t- a touch higher than Artie, just because I thought that I really like this version of David Warner that we're seeing. You know, I, I know people are like, hey, he's not being attacking off this sort of stuff. How many times have we been frustrated at Warner for him getting out in bad spots? That, I love that. I'm actually going to go a seven as well. For the same reasons Artie as I thought, it didn't look good, but I love what you said there. Like, I actually, and it's a good point, is what we all used to him just going out and flailing about, and he'll nick off sometimes, but then sometimes he'll score big, quick runs, and that's just who he is. But I agree, and it probably more so, not so much in the first test where he looked uncomfortable, more so in this second test where he was patient, I really liked. So it's good to see him doing that, especially against after like the horror series he had in the last Ashes. It's actually a really good point. So, A lot of the technical flaws of his game that we've seen come up with broad balls that around the wicket line, you know, he's actually eradicated by trying to get on the front foot more and get across to the line yeah. of the ball. So, you know, I'm, no, I'm happy to I'm give him points seven, for that. Yeah. Um, so then Marnus was at three. I've got him at a seven and a half. I yeah. thought he was dominant when he batted. Every ball seemed to hit the middle. He only got out because he disrespected Jack Leach. He thought, which, I mean... Who isn't hey. disrespecting Jack Leach? It was great. So, it was great, uh, yeah. My friend Jack. Or yeah, yeah. Um, but he was close to the best bat of the day. Um, and probably point. second of the game, sorry. Yeah, yeah no, I think Manus, I have ex- exactly the same as 37.5. You know, he is currently one of the best batsmen in world cricket. Has the best mentality, I think, out of any of the batsmen in world cricket right now. You know, he's... He's showing exactly that he can go to a different level and bat for long periods of time, and, and he just loves doing it. So yeah, I'm going to jump on as well with the seven and a half. I think same thing. What is he? Number two in the world now, and he's got a, a genuine chance to jump up to number one. And I think only reason he's not higher is because he just played a stupid shot. But really, apart from that, he was as good as he could have been. And the zero not out in the second innings due to Alex Carey ruined his record, beating third highest fastest all time into two thousand runs. So. Yeah. Um, no, well done. He played really well. And, yeah. So smudge number four, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I got him uh, three and a half. I think so. He didn't score any runs, obviously, 12 or whatever. Um, but he came in in a situation that doesn't really suit him. He, he likes to be the guy to come in when there's a collapse or he likes to be the guy who comes in right at the end to top, if the top order does really well and score some quick runs. It was sort of in between that. 
and it obviously he was uncomfortable from the start. Um, I don't think there's much to buy into it as we already know. Um, but yeah, I I have him at three. He uh, he fielded well, which I which yeah. I thought always gives always gives me points. You know, the the thing about Smith is. You know, he's going to score runs, he's going to look good. He always does at, at some point throughout the summer. But I really don't buy that argument. If, if you're a dominant test batsman, you should be able to come in any yeah. time. So, you know, yeah, that's why... Oh, no, it's not an excuse. Yeah, I'm just saying that's I, I always well, there's an excuse. No, I'm just explaining why he was bad. There's a difference between an excuse or just a flaw in a game. He, he performed badly. Yeah, that's what I said. He wasn't on. So, but it's not, it's not a, a situational thing. Like, he doesn't yeah. have a deficiency there. He just performed yeah. badly on the day. Yeah. Yeah. Think he just burns so much mental energy sitting around. I watched him in the shed and he was fidgeting, could not sit still. So I think that probably does affect him. But I probably got him a three, uh, yeah, probably a three as well. He wasn't his best game. Like he, I per- he didn't look good at the crease. He was all over the place. He was. I don't love when sometimes he comes in and he tries to be really aggressive, and he just goes over the top and plays stupid shots. But I still think he's the best test batsman in the world, and he'll bounce back this summer. He already bounced back with a ninety. Um, in Adelaide, and I'm hoping a big ton in the second innings. Um, Travis Head, I've got him at a nine and a half, I think. Um, I don't give tens very easily, so that's probably the only reason I don't have him as a ten. He was awesome to watch. One of the best innings I've seen, just fun-wise. Yeah, nine. I have him. He came in in a tough spot. He showed great mentality. This Travis Head was completely different to other versions that I'd seen. You know, he looks to... Have, wiped away a lot of those mental sort of stuff that, you know, gets involved down in the 20s and 30s. He looked to drive, he looked to get his onside game going, and then when he opened up, he was good square of the wicket as yeah. well. You know, attacked when he needed to. That's the Travis that I want to see more of. Yeah, so. yeah no, I was really impressed with Travis. And the big thing we said a couple of weeks ago on the pod was, in past, he hasn't scored his runs under pressure. We were under real pressure when he scored his runs, and he played his natural game. I like that he didn't try and play another style. Um, played, like, what else could we ask for me? He wants us to test match in the end, so, yeah, I go nine and a half as well. What a difference a week makes. Like, we were talking about his spot being under question. Oh, he's vice-captain, dude. And he's actually the 10th best test batsman in the world, top 10 test really? batsman in the world. So, I, know. I don't know how the ICC do that ranking. No, it's system. very it's crazy. Weird. But apparently now he is. So, in the top 10, we've got Manus 2, Smudge 3, Warner 6, Head 10. Yes. That's pretty good. And yeah. we still can't. And we've got Wrigley make four. Cummins, Hazelwood, both. T- Cummins number one, Hazelwood in the top 10. Lions just outside, and so No, he's him. well outside, actually. Lions what? like 16th. I know, I couldn't Yeah, well, that. last summer. I oh, yeah, yeah, true, yeah true. True. But he's never really been that high in the bowling rankings. I don't know how, it, how it's worked out. I, no, I need I. someone to explain it to me at yeah. some point. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not a good system, I don't think. But mm. um, All right, so Cameron Green, um, what... I think he bowled really, really well. Uh, obviously, didn't bat well, so I've got him as a five out of ten. Um, I think he provided really useful bowling when he bowled, and um, really created that change for our bowlers. Gave him a break and got the most important wicket of Joe Root. So um, in that first innings, where Joe, yeah, so I got him a five out of ten. I would like to hear Luca's objective opinion. Well, does he include bowling? What's your ranking? Well, I mean, I'm I'm just saying we talked a lot on the podcast about this last week. We said I thought bowling wasn't a reason why we would pick him, or it's like a saving grace for him. He's in the side for for being a batsman. So I'm I'm saying if you flip the situation, if Smith got Root out, 
Would we add how many points would we well, add to that? Well, you really? did, you did mention Smith for his fielding. So yeah, you, you did. No, I know. Oh, I'm just saying. No, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Cam was great in the gully. If you're going to add points to that, no, he was good in the gully. He bowled well. You know, I, I give him a four. But again, yeah, I'm yeah, I, I was right very early on all the batting falls. It came out again in Adelaide. Yeah, you have to start seeing this yeah. at some point. He's not technically developed enough, Arthur. I, I don't know what that you're video seeing. Ricky Ponting did on Channel Seven was. Like I didn't really, see it. Oh, it's what? really good. It's just it's all explaining about how it's all in his stance and yeah. it's actually he the way Ricky explained it, it's actually not that hard to fix. Which has been what I've been saying. So go back, fix it, work on it, and then come back. It's just we all lauded him as the as the saviour. So I'm ready to hear the apologies when they come in. But. Um, We'll wait, we'll wait. If you want to hear more on Cam Green, go to last week's pod and Luca will unload later, I'm sure. But Educate. Unload. <laughs> I, um, I'm, I was giving him a four as well, which I feel bad for that Luca said that. Same reason, Zadi. I think his bowling provided us, and again in Adelaide, he's got so many crucial wickets. His batting obviously provided nothing, but I thought, I think in terms, I gave Smudge a three. He probably did contribute more to the game than Smudge did, so I'm giving him a four. Um, so Alex Carey, I've also got a five. I thought he kept brilliantly, which I didn't think he had it in him. I did thought mm. he was a shit housekeeper, really, but um, he was pretty good. Well, I mean, it was in the, at the Gabba. It, yeah, that's the one of the easiest places to keep in the world. Yeah, I think. Especially, this, especially, yeah. especially if it doesn't get like late in the game. Like yeah, yeah, the yeah. game was wrapped up, wrapped up at day four, right? You can only take the catches you can take. Exactly. Yeah. No doubt. Exactly. No. Yeah. I'm just this saying it was true. Play. It was a quick wicket. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I I probably give him about a six. You know, I don't th- like five's your average rating. I didn't think he did that special. He kept well, so he gets a bonus point on that. But his batting again, he's got to show better mentality. He looked like doing flash of it in Adelaide, so you know, fingers crossed that he can try and progress that even further. Yeah, I'm gonna go five and a half and just split you down the middle. I think the batting wasn't great. I think he probably gets a six, six and a half. He doesn't get out in that second innings where we're chasing twenty runs. Like I know he's not an opener, but still. I really if like him his hand up for it. Yeah, um, no, so do I. Yeah. I mean, I would have yeah, preferred Marcus Harris get out, but <laughs> <laughs> get that change going. But yeah, no, I'm going to five and a half. I think he kept really well. And you're right, it wasn't a hard pitch to keep on, but it, um, he can only keep what's in front of him. Um, so next is our Lord and Saviour, Paddy Cummins. Um, I've got him a nine and a half as well. I thought he was brilliant. He's captain. He's... Field settings and his bowling changes were on point always. I didn't have many criticisms um, of any of it. And um, he bowled, obviously, amazingly. So, yeah, nine and a half as well. Yeah, no, absolutely nine and a half. He was Cummins' best. I mean, he's the best test bowler in the world. He consistently puts the ball in the right areas, gets it to swing, asks the batsman so many questions and has so much variation. And when he cranks it up, he's actually quicker than what you might think as well. It comes on to the batsman yeah. really quickly. You know, So he is the classic example of what all fast bowlers should do, follow their plan and execute really, really well. He's 20k quicker than anyone England got, besides Wood. You look up and he just has five wickets all the time. Yeah. It's amazing. It really, really is. Watching someone special. I think I gave Travis nine and a half. I'm going to... Just give him a bit of edge, go 9.75. I thought he was a man of the match, Cummins. I think because our bowling in that first innings set us up, and his captaincy was amazing. I mean, his field players and all that, but what he had with eight wickets, seven wickets, like he did as much as he could bowling. Um, like, he looks like taking a wicket all the time. He was my man of the match. Not taking anything away from Travis Head, he was great, but yeah, I had Cummins, man of the match. Starkey, um, I've got him a seven, took that amazing first ball wicket. I'll never forget that being How good there. was that, Alex? Yeah, it was good. Um, oh, were you tuned in? Uh, actually, <laughs> no, I actually wasn't even watching it. Oh, 
here we go. Yeah, yeah. I, I cried. Mr. Hates Cricket. Yeah, and took two more wickets, Stark, um, and provided a bit with the bat. His second innings um, bowling wasn't that good, I thought. Um, but, yeah, overall, pretty solid effort. I think seven's pretty fair. I have a mid lower I am at a six. The, like, obviously, that first ball wicket and getting that momentum going at the start. The problem was with Stark, and it's always been the same problem. He doesn't have a plan B with things with things yeah. go bad, and he can leak he can leak runs so easily. He bowls, you know, on occasion, one bad ball and over. He's very errant, but when he's at his best, he has his tail up. You know, I want to see that version more of him. I just need him to try and develop more sort of nows and getting wickets and doing variation other than trying to bowl Yorkers or bowl bouncers or bowl in a good length. Like, I, w- I want to see more variation. I want to see, you know, experiment with different field settings and placement. So, you know, hopefully he tries to develop that more. Yeah, I've probably got him... Uh, I've probably only got him five. Like, I, I didn't think he was as good as everyone made out. The first thing... So take away that first ball, right? If he hadn't bowled, got that with the first ball, which is a great ball, but... He got two wickets first inning, including that one wicket second inning. He was going at three and over in the first innings and 3.8 in the second inning. So he was expensive, which I know that's the type of bowler he is, but I thought, yeah, I thought he's just so erratic when he bowls. He did, he bowled better than he has been, but I think he was average. I don't think he was good. Sometimes we've got to focus on how he made us feel. And that first ball made me feel very, very good. Oh, it's also so. Ash's moment. So that's... Well, <laughs> It didn't swing the point of warning, but like it was, in the end, it was a good ball. It was a good wicket, but apart from that, I didn't think he was that good. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we've got Gary. Um, so, a bit of opposite to Stark. His first innings was not very good at all. And then once he got that 400th off his back, he was amazing. Um, bowled really, really well at the end of the game. Um, so, I've got him uh, six and a half. I'm a seven. I think, you know, his variations really come back. You know, he's using the bounce. Oh, you know what? Lines at his best, and Morty brings it up all the time, when he uses the variation in speed. So when he throws up the slow mm. one, gives it more air. When he fires in the quicker one, he's able to, you know, change that up so often. And I really like the fact that he does that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully he does that more and more into the summer. I think it's going to cause him a lot of problems. I think him bowling not well in the first innings was also the fact that it was a real seamless wicket for the start. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I don't think he, he couldn't really bowl a lot, couldn't really get into a rhythm, you know, in the first. He didn't bowl that many overs either, I don't think. Like, yeah. we, we, we didn't bowl that. We bowled 50 overs as a team. Um, I probably got six and a half, I think. I think he was really good. That second innings was phenomenal the way he bowled. Obviously, first innings he struggled a bit, but I think it's good that second innings leading into Adelaide, he started to bowl really well there too, so... No, I'm excited for a big summer for him. I think he, he bowled really well in that second. He just you could tell he lacked confidence that yeah, first. He was a bit, off his back. He was a bit not he wasn't attacking with his field positions. Yeah. And the balls he was bowling wasn't challenging both edges. And I don't want to sound like Warney, but when Warney does actually say it well, like he wanna bring as many modes of dismissal in and that's why the old offside back pad and mm. he bowled well once he started to be more aggressive. Alright, and then lastly for the Australians is um, Hoff. So, um, again, he got not too many wickets. um, But, yeah, bowled well. It obviously was hurt towards the end of the game. So, I've got him, I think, probably a six. I have have him at a seven. I actually thought, in the same way that I agree with Alex, that I thought Stark wasn't as good as publicised, I thought Josh Hayeswood was much better than him. One of the most underrated players in Australian cricket. He is amazing. And he's rated. He's just still yeah. underrated. Yeah, no, agreed. The way the, the way he puts the ball 
in that spot every single time, plugs away. You know, he gets that extra bounce. He has the one that can fire in there quicker as well. Yeah. You know, and, it, you know, he also is able to get that slight movement. He can scramble the seam. Like, literally, if you were building an attack, you need Josh Hayes winning your team in world cricket in 2021. That's what we were talking about in the first um, segment, is that why Australia is so good, is we've got Stark, who's just a wicket-taker in bowls, express pace, and from the other end, we got Hoff, who is well, Cummins, perfect well. accuracy, landing into the right spot, and it's still quick. And then we got Cummins, which is the baby of both. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a lot about fit, I think, in professional sport nowadays. A lot of people go, oh, talent, we can make it work. You know, England probably have missed the memo on that. They're just like, let's just pick who we think our best balls are. But, you know, point. in a spinning wicket in Adelaide, you need a spinner. You've always needed a spinner in Adelaide. You know, you always need different types of quicks in your bowling attack. It's weird you talk about that. Like, they sometimes just, England, just go pure talent, like trying to, for the bowlers, but then they pick Josh Butler just because he can bat better, and they think that's a better fit. And the whole thing is skewed because they can't choose which way they're doing. But anyway, on to Alex, for Hoff. I'm going to go seven, I'm going to go seven and a half, and I think I'm not taking away this injury. He was obviously injured second second innings, but when he was bowling that second innings, it was still phenomenal. I thought maybe... First innings, he was he was almost on par with Cummins with how well he bowled. He didn't get as many wickets, but I think he enabled Cummins to take wickets with the pressure he built. As I said, he just puts it on the, a dime. Every single ball lands exactly where he wants it to. He's the best at building pressure in the Australian attack. Oh, him and Cummins are both phenomenal. Mm. But yeah, he's he's a phenomenal bowler and bowled well. We're going to miss him in Adelaide, and hopefully that's the only test he misses. Alright, so um, on to England. We'll do these ones a bit quicker, I think. Um, Rory Burns. Um, zero. Zero. Yep. Not much else to say with yep. him. Hasib, I've actually got him about a five. I think his 25 was better than it seemed. It was gritty and he stayed in a while. Um, second innings, he was pretty poor. Well, I'll knock him down to a four. I got him a four. He was, he yeah. was poor at both. There's some technical flaws he definitely has. He doesn't seem to enjoy the pace in Australia at all. No. Yeah, probably a four as well. He did surprise me first innings. I didn't think he'd last more than an over because I can tell, obviously, he doesn't like the pace. But it was a gritty 20-odd both innings. Um, anyway, Darwin, Milan. Just change it to V, you fuckhead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got him uh, six and a half. Um, second innings was great, but I think he was a bit lucky in p- periods of it. Um, first innings, awful. I have him now as a seven and a half. I think he he's really really talented. He's he's got all the characteristics to do really really well in Australia. He's got a solid defence. He's very good inside the V as well. So you know, I, I really like Milan. A lot of people told me before the series that Cambrian was good and Milan was bad. I think it's the other way around. Uh, yeah, I, I do agree. I probably got him six and a half. He was alright, but he didn't win him a game. So all right, Joe Root, um, similar to Milan, I guess, but. Um got a duck in the first innings um so i've got him a six yeah you need to stand up if you're the captain so I, i'm doc- i'm gonna dock him a point from there i got a five i got a six yeah um ben stokes um i thought he bowled pretty well till he got hurt um but not too many runs to speak of so i probably got him a five four and a half maybe He's still England's most talented player. So, yeah. you know, he when he stands up, they're much better. Hasn't done that a lot. Bowling, he does look, I think, the best than when he does bowl. So I got, I'm at a six. Yeah, I was six as well. Um, all right, then we got Ollie Pope. Um, how many did he get in the first innings? Uh, he was 35. He looked quite good too. Yeah. Um, 
He should. He did obviously bad this second to this. But anyway, we'll skip that. I've got him about a four and a half again. I think. Yep. Five. I mean, I you, he did move the needle. Yeah, he was okay. Okay, did he, he got out once he was in second first innings? I should say. So I got a five as well. Um, Joss Butler. I don't have the figures of. Uh, he was first innings 39 off 58, second innings 23 off 39. Well, they're sort of important runs. Didn't keep that well, I didn't think. Um, so, again, five. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I have him five. I was going to add half a point because I thought he actually was gritty in the first innings, but then also minus half a point because he didn't keep well. Yeah, so, so I'll go five as well, yeah. Um, Wokes, I thought bold. Awful. Awful. So bad. I've got him on one. Yeah, I, I'm too. He's really yeah, I'm a two. Yeah, he, did, he, he just, didn't add anything. He does. He didn't maximise what he does the best. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Ollie Robinson again didn't think he bowled that well. Doesn't have the fitness for Australia. Late in the innings, he was dead. Um, so yeah, again, I've got him. I don't know how many wickets he ended up taking, but uh, three in the first, one in the second. Yeah, so I'll give him a three. If that, two and a half, maybe. Yeah, I'll give him a three. I actually thought his wickets, he doesn't really look like a wicket-taking threat. A lot of the wickets that we had in the first innings were us oh, making mental mistakes. Shots. Yeah, no, yeah. three. Yeah, um, Mark Wood, I think, was the pick of the bowlers by for far. England, by far. Tried his guts out just constantly. Um, we talked about how Robinson was awful at the end of the day. Mark Wood was still running in, full pace, trying to get the ball around that 150 mark. Um, if not for... Um, results for pure effort. I'm giving him a six and a half, seven, actually seven. Wow, that's a big call. I, I got thought he was good. He looked th- like thought threatening. Yeah, I got him as a six. I thought Stokes yeah. was better, but I, I, I can see the argument for Wood. He worked hard. Yeah, I'm gonna. Go, I think he didn't get as many wickets as he deserved for how well he got. I go seven. Yeah, and then finally, uh, Jack Leach, uh, zero. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, it, England are in are in a trap. Surely someone on the selection committee was like, hey, that's what the Aussies have gone after, the last three spinners that we brought here. Maybe picking a guy that's so easy to hit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, hey, thanks, England. We really appreciate it. It was fun watching. It fun was viewing. great viewing. I know we said we're not going to go into the negatives for the ratings. If I was, it would be Jack Leach. Nothing against the guy, but you couldn't have played worse. It was going like nine and over in test cricket. Something against the guy. I don't like him. Like, he seems like a shit bloke. Oh, He's wait. living off that one test. Him and Milan that test like we two of the shittest blokes of all time. That test we don't speak so, of. The only guy who's worse is that James Vince. Thank God he's not playing. Mm. Well, okay, so summary is Australia went well, England sucked. On to the second test. So we've got a new segment this week. As we said, we've got our new producer, Connor, on board. Um, and he felt lonely in the corner, so he wanted to speak for a bit. So, it's a topic of the week from Connor Smith, our producer. Please go. G'day, blokes. So, we got topic of the week. So, pretty much what it'll be, I'm going to do a deep dive into, it can be a niche sport, it can be an event, something in the world of sports that I think needs a bit more light shown upon it. And, um, yeah, so for our inaugural topic of the week, I've taken a good 30 minutes of research and um, combined it into a digestible little segment. So today we're diving into the world of extreme ironing. Oh, wow, that's gosh. huge. Yes. This that's is really stuff you would normally get on any other podcast. That's it. It's exclusive, and it's happening right here. So extreme ironing, what is it? What does it want? Why is what it, does it want? It's a beast of its own. It truly is. So extreme ironing, it takes the adrenaline rush and danger of extreme sports, and it combines that 
with the satisfaction of a freshly ironed shirt. Now I didn't make stop that it, up. stop it. I didn't make that up. I can't take credit for that. That is actually a quote, paraphrased, from the EIB, the Extreme Ironing Bureau. <laughs> bureau, a, not board. No bureau. That's wow. a thing the that whole exists. Bureau. Now this sport. <laughs> Is just over 20 years old, so it started back in 1999. It is rather young, but it's got quite a bit of history. So it started 1999, uh, and so what happened was there was a worldwide recruitment campaign. Now this took place (laughs) from America to Fiji to Australia, New Zealand, and also Southern Africa. Now... They were looking for athletes, best of the best, obviously. Yes, got to be athletic to be good at ironing. Well, that's it. And the father of the sport is a man who goes by the name of Phil Shaw. He's known as Steam in the Iron (laughs) (laughs) That's his um, call to fame. He's the self-appointed creator of the sport, mind you. Uh, Legend has it that he came home one day to find a bunch of clothes on the floor strewn about the place. No! And he decided, look, I'm going to go iron somewhere else. He decided that somewhere else wasn't going to be in a different room or... You know, God forbid, on well, a footpath. Why would it be? No. Yeah, that's silly. Yeah, it was on a cliff. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, he decided yeah. that would be the best place to start. And extreme ironing was born. Sorry, I just got a quick question about the whole cliff. Of course. Where did he plug the iron into? Or is it like a battery power iron? Well, we'll get there. Okay, now, sorry, as, sorry for interruption. As novices of the sport, it would be rude of us to assume a lot about things that we don't know. Hmm. And I mean, there is quite a bit that's going on here. So in 2002... There was the world's first ever world extreme, sorry, extreme ironing championships. Wow. World championships. This took place in Germany. So we got uh, some good ironers in Germany. They do, so I've heard. But Phil Steamshaw <laughs> took the medal and he won. So he's, he's, the, he's the godfather of ironing. He is. So of course he did. Such a chad to invent your own sport. Oh my god. <laughs> and organise your own holiday to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? That was the first and only. There have not oh, been no. World Extreme Iron Championships so, since 2002. Now, I'll get there, but there are many athletes that have ironed on mountains, in caves. I saw one. They actually filmed the World Ironing Championships, and it's up on YouTube. You can actually find a couple of videos. My favorite one was this bloke in a big inflatable uh, pool donut thing, and he was balancing himself on there with the ironing board in ladder. So it requires a bit from the athletes physically, mm. um, and a question I have for the for the for the panel at agendas only: Have you blokes done rock climbing before? Uh, I have not well, well, but I have not it's well. Okay. God, school camp memories. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried doing it upside down? No, never. With never. an ironing board in one hand <laughs> and an iron in the other. This is what it takes just to enter into the sport. It's, it's pretty impressive. It's, yeah. it's, it requires quite a bit. It's dangerous too. It's very dangerous. I've got a lot of this information from the EIB's Facebook page. They uh, have their own Facebook page. And uh, in case you're wondering what they've been up to lately, their last was. post was February 2020. And it was a photo from 2004. <laughs> <as a> throwback. <laughs> so um, They've gone underground a bit. They have a little bit. But if you're wanting to come into the sport, if you're hearing about it now and you want to join, how do you get started? Well, I looked into it. A good place to start would maybe be the backyard. Yeah. Okay? Step out of your comfort zone a little bit. Jump in the oh, backyard. Oh, that would be well out of my comfort zone. I don't know I can do that. Iron a shirt, see how it goes. <laughs> then from there, you know, maybe the nature strip. 
That's out oh, in public. Wow. There are hazards there. People walk on footpaths. They might so see you. Exactly. There could be dogs. I'm not saying go and iron in the middle of a busy Can road. I say I would cack myself if someone, one of my neighbours was ironing out the front yard. Oh. <laughs> well, don't look over the fence or something. <laughs> but I'm not saying, you know, go and iron on a busy road. But I'm not not saying don't iron on a busy road. Because that comes with the territory, right? It's the mm. sport that it is. It's extreme. I'd also want to take this opportunity to address the EIB. This is an open letter of sorts. Bring it back. We're ready for the next championships. We'll host it. We have athletes ready to go. Live commentary, running, EIB, everything. Reach out. We'll commentate. You can sponsor our pod. Yep. We'll commentate. Host it here in Australia. We've got a lot of extreme places. We've got... You know, beaches, mountains, caves, yeah. everything. I we'll, also think we do it like a world tour, Grand Canyon. We'll start we'll our own teams. For us. We'll all get our own teams. Yeah. And we'll do a draft. We'll do a draft. My guy down the road, he's going to be the number one pick. Oh. oh, wow, that's huge. Would it not be perfect if in 2022, the 20-year anniversary of the first ever <gasps> championships, if they brought it back? Okay, EIB, reach out. Yep. We'll work with you. See how... We'll pay us the big bucks. The yep. official Extreme Ironing podcast. The official unofficial podcast. Yeah. It's all it. here. Agendas only. All right. Reach out. Yep. If Phil Shaw's still around, hopefully he hasn't the, retreated. The steamer. Yeah, steam. Hopefully he hasn't retreated inside to iron these days, but... No, no, never. It's been a good couple of decades, so... You're done. That would be a fall from grace. That would be. All steamy. <laughs> Therapy time. Artie, how are you feeling about the Pelicans and the NBA? Do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, so obviously I'm the resident Pelicans fan, um, which is a pretty miserable existence. I've been lucky enough in my life to support, you know, some great sporting teams, the Australian cricket team, you know, Sydney Roosters, very successful. So I decided, I guess, a bit out of self-harm, um, self-hatred. Oh, you forgot to mention Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd support a shit team. And it's not fun. It's like, I finally get our mates who support the Tigers, how miserable they are in the NRL. Um, so, yeah, uh, this year's been particularly bad. Um, Zion Williamson hasn't played a game yet, been out hurt. Um, David Griffin's made some pretty fucking bad mistakes. Um, new rookie coach has to deal with all this. Um, yeah, so it's not been great. Um, Luca, do you want to say anything first? I love the Pelicans. Yes. I just want to say I love the Pelicans. I support the Celtic. I love the Pelicans. And it really like makes me hurt to see them in this position. Not the worst team in the NBA anymore, though. That's So that's an upside. Three out of four. Three out of four, getting hot. You took a lot. <laughs> if you took the last three games, you would be on a playoff pace. You'd be on the pace for the one seed. We would. So, I mean, there you go. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 really really sad the way to see the way that's gone. This season seems like it had a lot of potential, but you know it's slowly dying, and really not happy to see the, see the fact that that's happening. So I thought I'd start by giving David Griffin a little report card for what he's done as in his tenure as the vice president of basketball relations. He's not the GM. Is the vice president of basketball relations? Is is it like on? Is the ratings is war criminal on the ratings scale? No, I'm gonna, it's a report card, um, and I'm gonna do it just on the big things. So, as much as I love him, I'm not gonna rate the signing of Niccolo Melli. Oh, very sad. Or maybe I should actually. That's an A plus plus. So starting off, his first big move as vice president of basketball relations was drafting Zion Williamson with the first overall pick. Um, Which you can't rate, because everyone else would have done it. Yes, but 
Yeah. You can't oh, I've got a question about it later, so you, you go with yours. I'll no, ask it. a question. When do you get to the point where you say Jar might have been a better draft pick than Zion? You can say that, but you can't criticise him for making that pick. No, 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 but I'm saying, like, the Pels between... in general, is there a point where you go, Jar's been a better draft pick? I think if you wonder if you... It may be because Zion was such a lock to go number one, maybe the Pelicans didn't do the due diligence in the, in the character side of it. I think that's probably a, probably a huge okay. thing. Yeah, no, it's just a question. It's not like... It'll be curious to see how this you, year, year goes. I don't think you would have taken uh, anyone but Zion number one, but the question no. is, could you have traded back? You traded back already in that draft. It's not like the Cavs taking Anthony Bennett, because people had Anthony Bennett going about eight in that draft, and they took him number one, and he was a huge flop. Some, it's very it's, different. It's kind of like Greg Oden. Yeah, which people... Most analysts had him as good as, if not better, than Kevin Durant, so... And he could have been, but just injury. But anyway, moving forward, so I won't rate that one. We'll go on to his probably his marquee move of his tenure, which was trading away Anthony Davis. Personally, I give this a solid B plus. I think he got back three, well, one All Star already, a guy who could be an All Star in the future in Lonzo Ball, um, and then Josh Hart, one of my favorite players, probably what. I genuinely think he's one of the best role players in the NBA. Very underrated. Um, with a bucket of picks. Just a lot, a lot of picks. So I think that was an excellent move. Um, there weren't any better offers out there. I think you made the right decision there. Luca? No, yeah, 100%. I agree. I, it, it, you know, The only question that you could ask for that trade, and the only reason why it's not an A is, would the Pelicans have been better to go out and try and get an established super? Does that player want to go to New Orleans? So, you know... Oh, I really rate that trade. He did, he did quite well. And it's a tough thing to know whether or not your guy is going to be ready year one with Zion. Like, established superstar is probably the more, um, the less risky option there because you know you're going to try to build a team with this Well, yeah, guy. I'm thinking just because Zion's on the rookie contract. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair enough. No, I agree. Then his next major move was trading the fourth pick for down to get Hayes and Alexander Walker. So... You can split it into two sections here. Well, three. So, DeAndre Hunter would be perfect with Zion. That's bad. That's who went Dar- for a pick? Just yeah. 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 D- yeah. Darius Garland. Yeah, we could have got Garland. Would have been even better. Um, then we got Jackson Hayes with the eighth. Was it? Bad pick. Are we ready to say bust? He's got a couple of, you know, DMPs now on it. Like, yeah. For where he He still fl- yeah. shows flashes of extreme athleticism, but... Again, it's same not, thing. Did, did Griff just not do the character interviews for that draft? It, yeah. Because all of the guys have got them. Yeah. He, for Hayes, he ignored them. And then Alexander Walker, I still have hope for him. Um, I like that he's got so much confidence. He's not a starter. Walker's he's not a seen, starter. Seen this year, his efficiency, I, he really, I don't no, think he can get there. He's not a starter. But I, we know that now, which I, I like. Which I think he's still a decent pick at the pick... 11, did we get him? 12? 19, I think. Oh, 19. Sorry, way off, way off. Um, So I'm giving that trade a C, just a flat C. Not good, not awful. Then, moving on, we fired Alvin Gentry and hired Stan Van Gundy. That's a F. So many coaches out there. I mean, holy hell, look at Billy. I said Billy Donovan. Look what he's now doing with Chicago. There's so many coaches that you could have hired. 
At the time, I thought Van Gundy could come in, change the culture, work with Zion the way he worked with Dwight back in Orlando. Could not have been more wrong. He did nothing like that. He made everyone hate him. He made Zion worse for the first half of the season. Finally, when he put the ball in Zion's hand, he made him better, but it was awful. Really bad move. If you're a non-NBA fan listening to this, like, and I know Alex isn't super into the NBA. You have to be going, what the hell is this franchise? We haven't even gotten to the half of it yet. Yeah, you yeah, know, I've obviously I've been following probably not as long as you guys. So it's good to hear. Like I've heard little things about the Pels here and there, but it's good to hear the deep dive into it as I'm still getting into it. Yeah, we then drafted with the 13th pick, Kira Lewis, who's still sadly this knee injury got him at the worst time. He's finally starting to show some promise in his last couple of games before that injury. He was shooting the ball better. Playmaking a bit better. He's still young. He's a project sort of guy. I don't hate the pick, but he hasn't been as good as we thought. The jumpers there. You you didn't really need someone at point guard. No. I mean, it just it, like if you picked Aaron Neesmith, it would have been way better. Yeah, it would have been way better. So but thank you as a supremacy guy. Yeah, so I'll give that one a C plus. Thirteenth um, pick. If you've taken that sort of guy, that's not a bad draft. Uh, it's not amazing. Then we have the big Drew Holiday trade, um, which still brings me pain. Scored 40 against us yesterday, um, but we won. Flex. Um, This one hurts. I think at the time, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind accumulating more picks. Um, But in hindsight, Zion was so good already. It was by far the worst move. Drew's, again, a perfect fit with Zion. Great defender, great passer. Can really get the ball inside. There were other offers on the table. We could have gone out and got the shooters from Miami and picks. We could have, you know, yeah, a lot of other offers out there. And who do you have to take on in that trade as well, Ali? I yeah, hate to go back in this pain for you as well. Yeah, this is a bad bit. We took on George Hill and Eric Bledsoe, and then we traded away George Hill, who actually I still don't think would have been that bad a fit, because at least he shoots the ball. And we took on the bane of my existence... If I ever see him, I might punch him in the face. I don't care if I go to prison. Eric Bledsoe, fuckhead. Um, if I never see that man again, it'll be better. It'll be for the better. He came to New Orleans, didn't try for a minute, didn't put any effort in, hated the whole time he was there, didn't defend, didn't shoot, didn't pass, did nothing, was a negative on the field every time he was there, and we had to deal with him. And then at Stephen Adams in that trade as well. Yeah, then we signed Stephen Adams, which, again, at the time, I thought was a good one. Guy to protect Zion. The, I thought the fit, the floor spacing would be uh, clunky, to say the least, but thought we could make up with it other places. Yeah, not a good fit. I do love just seeing nothing and then signing a player to an extension. That is some great yeah. management right there. <laughs> um, then I said we weren't going to do small trades, but this one deserves a mention. Trading JJ to Dallas just tanked his reputation as a good bloke. Like Griff, I mean. Um, not that there was much of one, but some people thought because he was white, he was a good bloke, so maybe. Uh, <laughs> you said you, you were big you would be Griff as fine still. Yeah, well, you've got to be an optimist of your team, don't you? You, know, oh. like, you also have to be, you know, a realist and understand yeah. who's doing the stuff, right? So that one's uh, D. Uh, then we get on to this, the most recent draft which I'm going to give him a B-plus for. We drafted Herb Jones in the second round, who's looking like a top-ten rookie at least in the 
in the whole comp. I love him to bits. He's probably my favourite player at the moment. Um, so he's exceptional. And we got Trey Murphy, the third, in the first round, who was awesome in Summer League, developing still. And now Garrett Telfall's taking his minutes. He's developed. He's a young guy. His jump, is cut. his jump is amazing. We know that. He's just got to progress to that NBA level, which all signs point to he will. I'm not worried about him. He's got a very NBA-ready game. So he'll be great. So yeah, B-plus that draft. If you got, would you say different? I agree. I agree. But what about the next move? Yeah. Um, okay, so this is probably straight up an F. Traded Lonzo in a sign-and-trade to the Bulls. So, Luke always tell... Do you want to tell it, like... Yeah, it's... It, like, it's this move is so bad on so many levels. All year, Artie and I talked about, what would we re-sign Lonzo about? What's the contract number? Is it four years, 100 million? Four years, 110? Four years, 120? And I think we ended up, we'd do four years, 130 at an absolute max. Because, again, he's, he's hitting the open market. But he's a restricted. You can match anything on him. And then... To not only move him, when Zion said, don't move him, I want to be with him, he compliments the game perfectly of all your other players around him. He's a pass-first guy. His jump is getting better. You know, it was just crazy to do it. And with the deal he took, insane to let him go. But it was the return. To have to take on Sadoransky and Temple, which I get sort of get that he wants to use them to make up salary in a trade down the line. But they're playing but minutes now. They're playing minutes now. We're actually using them. Um, Temple is a local guy, so, you know, at least he's good for the culture. Sadoransky does nothing. There's so much pain here for Artie. He is uh, close to breakdown, guys. <laughs> I, if we had taken Sadoransky and Temple, we should have at least gotten a first-round pick or something for but- that sign and trade. You traded a first-round pick for Devontae. Yeah. He's a worse player than Lonzo. Mm. And you've got a worse return for Lonzo. Yeah, exactly right. So that's one of the worst ever trades. And then I think the rest of his off-season was very good. I think getting Valanciunas, re-signing him. Oh, don't um, you start on that. <laughs> yeah, love me some Danny Val, Lithuanian Lightning. Um, he's shooting the three ball even better now with Fred Vincent. That's the one of the he's one of the bright spots of our organization. Fred Vincent can fix anyone's jump shot. Uh, so he's great. That Valentunas, I'll give that probably close to an A because we also got off Bled and Adams in that deal. Uh, and then the other p- one was getting Devontae. I know we gave up a first round pick, but he's a perfect fit with Zion. I don't mind giving away the pick. Luca thinks differently. You didn't have to give up a first round pick. Yeah, we- Probably he, didn't, but... Like, he was an unrestricted free agent. You had the cap space because you let Lonzo walk. Yeah. So, I agree. Yeah. You know what? It's funny because there's no other teams that give up first-round picks in that situation. Bar <laughs> Griffin, the Pelicans. <laughs> like, name a better combo than Griffin doing bad deals to get out of mistakes that he got himself into in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So, giving up the pick. If it was a restricted free agency, I wouldn't mind giving up the pick, but it wasn't. Devontae's still a great fit for us, and he's been playing great, so... I like getting Devontae, so I'll give that a B minus um, in a vacuum. But again, no one else gives peaks for that. So, so yeah, I suppose the thing we're going to wrap up this, Artie's gotten all of his piece out now. But what I'm really, really interested in is where does the blame lie? Because this season was meant to be contend, make the playoffs, try and avoid the play-in tournament. And look, it could still happen, but I'm thinking it's going to be less and less likely now. Where are we going to proportion the brain for the Pelicans going forward and what do they need to do? Mm. So, yeah, this season's already a failure. We don't know when 
Zion's going to come back. But this hits at the problem, is the lies that this organisation's been telling. I think, Luca disagrees with me on this one, he can say his piece in a second. If Zion had to come out and Griff at that media day before the season started and said, we're aiming for the All-Star break. If they had to said that, everyone would have gone, fuck, that's really bad news. Like, oh no, the season's going to be tough. But we'll rally around the team and get around them until Zion comes back. But instead, Griff he was adamant he's going to play game, the first game of the season. Adamant. Zion said he was going to play two in a little throwaway line. He was didn't sound as sure, but Griff was adamant he's playing the first game. There's no way they could have actually thought he was if he's still yeah. not playing. There's no way any the physios and doctors they would have. We're about to possible. hit Christmas and yeah. he still hasn't played a game. So I think I think that's the one of the major key issues here. Well, he's, he's out for at least another four to six weeks. See, that's more yeah, which will take us to the All Star break. That's more than an injury setback. That's you were never coming back. That's more than a setback. That big of a delay from first game to another All Star break. Yeah, but he was never going to be ready first. That's game. Exactly yeah, right. yeah. That's so never going to be ready first. Clearly, lie about lie, that. straight yeah. lie. And I, 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 like, I can't believe that you don't proportion any blame on Zion for this. I do proportion blame on Zion. Well, how like how much? You're like his little throwaway line. No, he was co- he was confident in saying it. He went out and said it. He could have he could have avoided the question. So he could I want to ask that question. Griff spoke first, and Zion spoke after. So I want to ask that question, Yadi. What percentage of the blame would you give to Zion, especially considering, obviously, he's not fit and that? What would you yeah. sort of give to him percentage wise? I think the blame is 70-30. I think it's 70% Griff, yep. 30% Zion. And it was, I had Zion less, but it's come and up a bit how recently. How concerned are you about his fitness and condition? Because what is it now, 330 pounds? Well, that's what people are saying. There's it's one photo he looks... No, there's been multiple sources. One photo he looks massive, one Zach photo he looks fitter than he's ever been. No. He's 330. Okay, so we're just going to believe everything. Yeah. Well, it's just ESPN have had multiple people say it. Like, do you want yeah. to ignore it? I'm not ignoring it. I just don't... There's photos where he looks massive. There's photos where he looks skinny. So, so two ESPN reporters were going to go on the record and lie about it. I'm, I'm sure they got information saying that. I'm sure they did. But I'm not sure that information's right in the first place. you got people, other people saying that he's fit, he's fine, he's going to be ready. Right. So the, so the ESPN reporters who are objective journalists, right? I'm sure they got object, they got that information. I'm sure they did. And I'm sure they're reporting on the information they got. But what I'm trying to say but is... I'm saying that the, the other people, the other, people the other people who are saying it are Pelican's people. That's, that's, so like they have an incentive because they want to protect the asset. End of the day, he was massive. He's already looking skinnier now. It's hard to be fit with a broken foot. Other guys have gotten this injury who are very skinny. Kevin Durant had this injury, had had a very similar timeline, had delays in his timeline too, had to get this injection that Zion just got as well. It's actually almost identical to his injury at the start of his career. So it's not, yes, that's why there is 30% on Zion that he was overweight, he wasn't fit, and he did lie about this. But injuries do happen, shit happens. So In, injuries are more likely because of the way the approach yeah. of Zion's taking a basketball. He, exactly right. That's Zion what I just said. Care. So I'm, if I'm going to proportion the blame, I'm going to go 50-50, right? Yeah. 
I'm going to say that Griff has made all the bad moves that Artie just recapped, and he's done really, really bad. There is no other GM who's had to give up as many assets to get off bad deals as Griff. He's also gotten on some, he's also done some bad stuff with the sign and trades and that. He did really well getting balance units, I'll give him credit for that, but like he hasn't really surrounded the Pelicans with a core that they need to succeed, and he hired Van Gundy, right? So, well, well, the jury's out on some of his other moves, but I don't really think he should get another draft, especially if you have a high draft yeah, pick to try and I mess agree. it up. But Zion is, is on the other side. He hasn't come into New Orleans with playing weight. He he had rips with the organizations, like starting right all the way back from his rookie year. He's had all the power in the organization as well. You know, he's falling asleep in film sessions. He's continually overweight. He doesn't make it on team trips. Like, I get you want to believe that he's your guy, but he doesn't love the city. He doesn't love the franchise. Okay, I have one final question just before you wrap up for Artie here. And it links what you said, Luca. How concerned are you starting to get that he wants to leave New Orleans and he'll be out of there soon? Oh, I'm actually less concerned after this foot injury. That Are you talking if he'll sw- sign the qualifying offer? Well, are you concerned he's going to be leaving New Orleans? Well, not for another five years. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think I'm, I'm quite concerned he will leave. I think he, he could sign the qualifying offer because I think teams will still gamble on him and give him a max and just say it's all mm-hmm. the New Orleans problems. So I, I actually think I, it, the probability of the extension is exactly the same. The injury has all come as well. And another thing, I know we talked about maybe Zion lying and all that sort of stuff. I think that Zion's take on the injury, when you consider how much power he has in the organization, why would he be Griff's mouthpiece? Well, Griff, so back to that press conference, Griff spoke first. So Zion's not going to come out after hearing Griff say that he's ready for game one and go. He could have avoided the question. Well, he could have avoided the question, but he's a 21-year-old kid. Like, he's like our age. You still you see a guy who is supposed to be running the organization say something. It's going to be very hard for you to just go out and, you know, criticize him for that. But he has all this power. Disagree. And I honestly hope one day Zion gets fit. But realistically, these knee injuries, these foot injuries, yes, they're not necessarily because he's heavy. But they come as a result. The probability is higher because he doesn't want to get into basketball weight. He doesn't want to get conditioning. Fingers crossed the injection works. He doesn't have to get a bone graft. But yeah, yeah well, it's not looking like a good future. I'm sorry, yeah. Art. <laughs> yeah, I hope the therapy session helped, Artie. Still looking a lot of pain. But mm. that's our first Pelicans therapy session for the year. I'm sure plenty more to come. And then raise up. And now our weekly segment for the week, our bold opinion. So who wants to go first today? We have got our producer in to join this segment too. Yep. How about you kick us off your debut bold opinion? Bold opinion. Um, look, you run the risk with a bold opinion because not everyone's going to like it. But that's okay. It comes with the territory. Mm. But my bold opinion is that I personally think that summer is overrated. <gasps> As a man who oh. sweats a lot... It can be very humid. And now, this isn't everywhere in the world. This is mainly a southeast Queensland thing in Brisbane. When it's humid, it is humid. You sit in the, in the shade like we are right now. doesn't help that we're less than a metre apart, but it's hot. And it doesn't matter what time of the day it is. It could be the dead of night. When it's in peak summer here, it's just too hot. There are mozzies. The mozzies come out in force. The flies. Look, everyone loves a good dip every now and then, which is also a great part about summer. But to me... I think it's a bit overrated. Hey guys, should we have a discussion about firing our new producer after yeah. that opinion? Because that is disgraceful. And it's everything I stand for. Just stay in the pool all day. That's the best <laughs> way to counteract it. All day. Does, okay, what's, okay, what's been our worst opinion so far? That, which is awful. 
Look at them like beaches or acai bowls are good. Yeah, well, beaches wasn't released, so... It wasn't, but I want to make sure the listeners know that he did say that. Well, this is also on a technicality. I didn't say I hated summer, I just said it's a bit overrated. And that's the same thing that I said. Okay. Crucifying me for liking and not liking summer. No, I'm not going to stand down. That's what the point is, Alex. We're bold, sorry. I will not stand down for my opinion. I'll not be bullied. Someone please move on. Downsy, you want to go? Okay. So... What is it? December. We're in the midst of silly season. So Christmas parties, birthdays, Christmas all around. You may or may not have a bit too much to drink. I may have fallen victim to having a bit too much to drink recently. And with comes that comes a hangover. Not something everyone enjoys. And as there's no cure as such yet, I want to say one thing. I always, when I was younger, used to go to the Purple Powerade to save me. In my old age, I've come to... Powerade doesn't help a hangover. Wow. Yep. I've got a view on this. I think it makes me worse sometimes through the sugar. Yeah, I think Powerades make it worse. Sorry. Gatorades make it better. Why is it? I don't know why. I'm not a scientist. Same colour, different level. But this this used to go against... I've slowly changed. I used to be the biggest advocate of a purple power the morning after. Nowadays, wake up, does not... It might help me for half an hour, and then I'll get 20,000 times worse. Yeah, the other day I had a hangover, I had a blue Powerade. It did make me 10 times worse. I almost spewed. Yeah. yeah, and I thought I would never say this, let alone publicly. I'm going to put it on the record. Does not help my hangover. Wow. I think it's an attitude thing. Yeah, yeah. It may be, but but I think my hangover's been getting worse, so it doesn't make me happier. <laughs> We've got to scientifically test it. Yeah, yeah it has to be. The only way to do it is you know reach, reach out big science. Yeah. All right. Um. So my one, our new producer is going to hate this. I think. Oh, no. I might be forgetting one of their songs, but Abba only have one good song. Wow. And wow. that's Gimme, 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 whatever that song's called. Wow. Jeez. And that's only good because it's fun in a club. This podcast going downhill, you've only <laughs> lost your producer now, and now <laughs> you've lost one of your hosts. So it's down to a two-man show. Yeah. yeah. Look at that. So that's, I don't, that's crazy. Can you like, qualify that? Why is it 150 Dancing records? Dancing all their songs are shit. Dancing Queen? Yeah, Battle. Mamma Mia. Yeah. Oh, that's their worst. Oh, okay. Mamma Mia is their worst. Oh. Is this a hipster thing? It's no, it's not a, not a hipster like thing. It, no. I think a lot of people do like ABBA. Here we go. The group was ranked like, third best-selling artist in the UK with a total of 11.3 million singles sold. And this was in, in the the just in the UK. More than 150 million sold worldwide. I never said the they weren't successful. Record, so. I never said they were not successful. I just said I don't think they have uh, more Christ. than one good song. It's certainly unpopular. That's a huge core. Yeah. yeah. Lay you love on me, that one? No, I don't I can't if I if you played it I probably still wouldn't like it. I don't I know. Slipping through my fingers? I mean Yeah. Like, I yeah, no, when you're sad, like wow. I really it's like drill in my brain. Like yeah. Who hurt you through? Yeah, uh, someone must have. Like, uh, the one stores. with the beard. Oh. <laughs> 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 Alright, yeah. Wow. My unpopular opinion this week and it's actually kind of directed because well we're recording right in the middle oh. of the Patriots game. And I'm, I'm spewing that after I, I have to miss it, but you're watching watch, it still. <laughs> watching sport on delay is the worst thing ever. Can I say how many oh. times has Lucas said to us how much, how good's watching basketball on delay? He's getting yeah. ads and timeouts. Luca mm. watches American sports, which is over half ads 
Like, so you watch it on delay, you skip all the maths. I have an in, I have an engagement in the game. I can't influence the momentum. I can't see the stats. Oh, I can't check Twitter. We, so you wait, can follow agendas on their podcast on Twitter, by the way. That's a shameless plug. So when but, you watch it live, you can influence the momentum. the momentum. Absolutely. You can put your hat on, hat off. You can move watching spots. Oh, right. Have you never yelled at TV? Oh, that's very true. You can influence the momentum. If you're watching it later, you have no chance. I'm to a very that. big advocate of not leaving your seat when a guy's in his 90s. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So if the Patriots lose, the next week's podcast may just feature 15 minutes of me going, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> All like your fault. Afternoon Oblos. I, I don't agree. I think... I don't like sports where people actually even talk about it and teach you about it. But like an American sport where there's so many ads, I think you sometimes have to watch them delay. Uh, even Dad and I, like, we get a million texts just if every Roosters game for people giving enough. it to us. We put our phones away, we watch yeah. it, and it's the exact same, except we skip half time. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Sometimes skip the kick. But if you lose, then, like, all the momentum... No, if we, lose, if we lose, we know we've lost because Dad always forgets to put his phone on silent and we can hear it coming <laughs> in the other room. Oh. <laughs> so just don't watch that way. <laughs> oh, well, no, good opinions this week, folks. Our, another segment that we go every week, of course, is our Hall of Fame. Mm. Artie, hit me. Yep, so for our new viewers, um, every week we'll do a Hall of Fame. Everyone nominates one person, um, entity, object... Story, uh, idea, into our Hall of Fame. And then we'll get our illustrious viewers to vote for it. So last week, do we have the results? Yep, results are in. Are you like stoked with this result? Massive, massive win. Worcestershire Black Sauce is in the first ever nominee inducted into the Hall of Fame. There is nothing ever that has been more deserving to be the inaugural inductee to the illustrious... Hall of Fame. In history, it'll always show what was the first? Worcestershire sauce. It was yeah. a very close battle between that and the Atla Pies. Though. It was. It was. I, I love seeing the analytics of our podcast, like seeing out how many plays, like figuring out when people are listening. The one thing I know about our podcast now is that listeners just don't have taste buds because that is the worst call <laughs> of all time. Says the man who eats acai bowls. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. You need to leave. Tasty, healthy. I'm going to get on the soapbox for a moment to speak on behalf of a couple of viewers that have reached out in disgust oh, no. at your view and I'm confronting as well on tomato sauce oh, that's I understand so maybe not liking it okay I'll cop that yeah, we've had inedible all week how bad it is inedible mm-hmm. is a huge word Friday right. night that performance when you were yeah. taking the sauce so, so, off the party pies off so, the party pies for a story why would they automatically put sauce on the party pies because it's the normal thing to do for and a story delicious. today we're at a party on in the city on Friday night. They bring around party pies, probably the best party pies I've ever. They were good party so pies, so good, excellent. And I'm like, yeah, have this party. It's nice. He goes, no, I can't eat it. It's got like a tiny oh, dollar. It was a dollar. It was a fair dollar. Barely oh. anything. He goes, no, it's just I got found napkins. So he found napkins and wiped the whole thing off. It was great. We refused to eat it until he found napkins. Yeah, okay. I don't mean to be stuck in the past. I just had to address yeah, that because. Sorry. Uh, Ruffled some right. That's again. Okay, so who's going to go their Hall of Fame nomination first? I'm going to hit oh, to our producer again. Oh, no, nah, I'm still going between two things, so come back to me. Okay, I'll go. Um, mine is Ness. Michael Ness, yep. Nisa. Um, yep. My favourite cricketer in the world, probably. Love him. No, not much more Rave to say. nomination. 
Luca. Oh, me? Okay. So, for this week, what I'm going to do is... I th- and as I said, I'm going to go with the silly, se- silly season theme too. Bit underrated, a smoke bomb. Oh. Do not be a good smoke bomb. <laughs> and for our listeners who don't know what that means is, you're all at a party, you're right out somewhere. You don't want to go say goodbye to everyone because they say, no, where are you going? Stay here, stay here. You just want to go home and go to bed. So you just go, so I'm going to the toilet and just walk out, don't come back. We were elite Leave last night. Smoke. I'm getting real good at it. And partly because our producer, Connor, refuses to let me leave anywhere. And because we're neighbours, we go home together. So I just have to smoke bomb him all the time. And Connor, I'm pretty good at it, eh? I mean, I'm, it's brave of you to say that someone would be like, oh no, Alex, stay. I think yeah, yeah. True. That's a good point <laughs> That's a really good point Connor and I were on the back end of a really good smoke bomb from Alex and I yeah. 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 That was a great night and then where the hell did they go? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good smoke bomb if you can get all the way home without getting a text Where About are you? About five minutes and after I got home Luca texted me You home? Yes sure <laughs> no, Not even yes is the yeah. oh, oh. I was like, I was like Thumbs That's up. how you know it's a great smoke bomb yeah. Not even a word yeah, fair great. Cool, fair cool. Luca, right. your Hall of Fame this week. We were also out for my birthday yesterday, and um, happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Got a Celtics jersey Celtics right jersey, next to Absolutely. Yeah. 1 and 0 with the new jersey as well. Yeah, true. Just got the win. But on a pub crawl, and you know, on the pub crawl, the, mo- the biggest thing that you want is you want to be able to consume as much alcohol as possible in the most efficient manner possible <laughs> and in the tastiest manner possible. Mm-hmm. Cocktail jugs. Oh. World class. I mean, Connor is grimacing over here. Uh, he doesn't love the idea of the cocktail jug. Oh yeah, I, I go a good wedge every now and then, but <laughs> an entire jug dedicated to just some yeah. Let's Not think, my cup of tea. Let's think value per standard drink, like economics. Well, sense. if we're gonna break it down into maths, I'm not in the pub to do. I still have our only trip to the Unibar. We all got cocktail jugs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Lucas ended up all over the table. Six but... shots in the jug, <laughs> yeah. right? That for like thirty bucks, you're getting more value per drink. Yeah. This is why Artie and I study economics courses. You need to be able to know that sort of stuff. Big brain thinking. So yeah, big cocktail jugs. All the time, easy, efficient, tasty way to consume some alcohol. <laughs> Connor, nice. you're up. Well, mine's going to be a place, I think. Um, and it's it's an iconic one for us as well, mm-hmm. because we make the trip there every year. That's to Stradbroke Island. Oh, oh great. Now, yeah. I've got good memories of it personally. Now, Alex has just... Don't have memories of it. <laughs> Brown Lake in particular? <laughs> What's it? Was it huh? Oh, yeah, so there's a, um, there's a play, place on Stradbroke Island called Brown Lake. Awful. No more. <laughs> No more, just, no, no, no more to be said. It's just not nice. Yeah, so no, my nomination is Stradbroke Island. It's a good place to get away to. We we try and make a trip of it every year. And, yeah, um, it is a good trip, actually. I normally remember getting on the barge and off the barge. <laughs> yeah. And everything else is a bit of fun as yeah, well. Yeah, pretty bad nomination. I'm off it. Until well, <laughs> yeah. next year when I remember it again. Finally, we'll run into our best bets. We haven't included Connor because he's an awful punter. Well, so this week, Artie, do you have yours? Yeah. So again, like last week, my game got um, postponed. Brentford, but they'll win. So for score happens. update, mine and Luke has also lost last so week. So I've dove, dove into another sport that I don't know very well, and that's the NFL. Uh, so I just like the look of the Raiders. Uh, used to be Oakland, am I right? And now they're in Vegas. Yep. Soon to be joined by the Pelicans, probably. Uh, oh, Vegas. <laughs> Vegas Pelicans, do not let Zion on the strip club buffets. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've got them head to head over who are we who are they versing? I think they're playing the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Are they? Yes. Yes. And 
they are at 227. And I know the Browns are shit. Yeah, no, the, this feels like a very random Raiders are almost getting out of the playoff race. Browns are trying to get into the playoff race, and they and this is just a random chaos win. Browns always try and go away from their momentum, so I like that pick. I'm also going NFL this week. I love this bet, lock of the week. There are two things that you get. I've gotten hot at betting in the NFL this year. It's betting the Falcons and fading the Broncos. And so I love the Bengals here in a, in a beautiful spot. They've been a bit cold the last couple of weeks, but I think that's just because they've been playing really, really good opposition. The Broncos, I think they're mentally out. I watched them on Sunday Night Football a couple of weeks ago. I don't think schematically they're good. I think they're, they're going to have conversation about firing the coach, and they're very deficient at quarterback, so they need to make some changes there. I love the Bengals in this spot. Good call. And mine, I'm going to go stick with the NFL. And of course, this is more of a love bet, which I'm, that's, that's my style. Uh, the old Buffalo Bills. First in Carolina Panthers this week. Wasn't paying much, so I've gone by the line, which is negative 12 and a half. Um, and really, it's a must win. Like, if we don't win, we've got really no chance of making playoffs. So, depends on the Patriots game today, really. So. Some say this is why Alex tried to mush the Patriots. No, I would never do that. Yeah, no, so big game. And also, back our boy Josh Allen. Should be back for the game. I believe he was under an injury cloud, but looking forward to it. Another good pod. Um, thank you to all our listeners for coming back to the most biased, biased, unbiased, biased podcast of all time. Uh, follow our Facebook, Agendas Only, and our Twitter, at Agendas Only Pod, uh, for constant updates, links, links, Hall of Fame voting, and all the other content provided by Agendas Only Pod. Thank you, gents, for another great pod. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This has been Agendas Only. See weekly episodes on Spotify.